0: Well, we' are in Proverbs chapter one again, and we're going to continuing on in our sermon series on Proverbs chapter on Proverbs. And we are in our third week this week, as we study through the book of Proverbs, and we'll be here again in Proverbs chapter one again. If you were driving through downtown Great Falls and you saw someone talking to a parking meter, you might think that perhaps you should call someone to help the poor person. However, if you're traveling through some of our larger cities, you might see some of the new digital parking meters with computer chips and antennas that allow you to call them with your cell phone and buy more time. I read this week of parking meters at the University of California in Santa Barbara that are now part of a network you can contact by phone. These networked parking meters can talk to each other, they can report information on a website, and if you drive into an area and want to know where an open space is, you simply use your cell phone to access the website and find an unused meter in an open spot. Then you punch a button, make a reservation, and the meter flashes a reserved sign and holds the space for you for five minutes. So you can talk to a parking meter in some places and no one will think anything of it. By the way, downtown Great Falls is in the process of getting new digital parking meters, so you may soon be uh, talking to a parking meter even in Great Falls. Of course, there's no guarantee that these high-tech parking meters actually make people any smarter. Stories told of a meter maid walking up the block, checking cars, writing tickets, she noticed a college student staring at one of the meters. Sir, she said, is there something I can help you with? No, he said, I got one minute left. I'm just waiting for my gumball. (laughs) In a variety of ways, everyday devices, as we call them, are now interconnected via the internet, talking to one another, making life easier for us. Microchips keep getting smaller and smaller and more and more micro, yet capable of more function more storage than most of us ever even dreamed about a few years ago. Networking capabilities are being put into products that never used to have that sort of technology. We were in a store recently, our grandson was playing with the computer screen on the front door of a refrigerator. It said you could push a button and see what's inside the fridge. I thought, if you want to see what's inside the fridge, just open the door. (laughs) Tell my generation. But the issue is, if you're in a grocery store, you can connect via the internet with your fridge in your kitchen at home, and you can see what's in it. Quite amazing, actually a little bit spooky. So to today, the advances are all about all about communication. Everybody wants to be connected. You can start your car with a prompt from your smartphone. You can see who's at your front door when you're hundreds of miles away if you have the right software and the right right security system. There's a system called Home Heartbeat that connects sensors on washing machines and microwaves and doors and other fixtures. You can program the system to text you every time your front door opens and every time the TV turns on. The idea there is that way you know when your kids are home from school. But, But everything today is all about being connected. You find out anything, anywhere about anybody. You find it fast. You can find it now. You get it done. You get connected. You upload it. You download it. You stream it. You interface it. You name it. You can get it done if you're connected to the right network. You know what? God has a network. It's called faith. the The hardware for God's network is His Word, the Scripture, the Bible. The software is the Holy Spirit. The software of the Holy Spirit makes the hardware of the Scriptures operate effectively and correctly. The cost is free. Free to you. It was actually very costly. But the cost was paid by Jesus Christ. So for you and me, it's a free download if you have the correct access code. And the access code is, trust Jesus alone. All uppercase. Capital letters. It's a case-sensitive access code, and it has to be entered precisely because if you trust something else, then you're going to get hacked and wind up on a fake network. The only access code that works is trust Jesus alone. If you want more information about God's faith network, you can let me know. If you're not already on it, I'll be happy to tell you all about it. But when you are connected to God's network, one very important part of the app is God's wisdom. It guides us. It helps us make wise choices. It keeps us from making foolish decisions. It, it, it directs our steps. It protects our hearts. And King Solomon, as I, or as I've chosen to call him in our study, Professor Solomon, one of the wisest men who ever lived, was connected to God's network. According to 1 Kings chapter 3 and verse 12, I'll just quote it to you, you can read it sometime if you wish, God specifically gave Solomon the app called wisdom. God said, I have given you a wise and understanding heart so that there has not been anyone like you before you nor shall any like you arise after you. Solomon was a unique man. He, he was gifted with God's wisdom by God himself. Solomon used an ancient literary style that we're going to look at today. We still use it today. It's called personification. It, it simply means that a writer or a teacher takes, takes a quality or a concept or a symbol and speaks about it as though it were a person. And here, Professor Solomon personifies Wisdom. Picturing wisdom as a lady walking through the world, calling out to us. And we're calling our thoughts today. If you're looking for a title, sometimes I come up with a title, sometimes I don't. But my title today is The Voice of Wisdom. And our outline I'm going to share with you comes very naturally from our text. We're going to begin to read in verse 20 in just a moment of Proverbs 1. And we'll go to the end of the chapter. But just four thoughts. How does she speak? where does she speak, to whom does she speak, and what does she say? And I'll give those to you again, for I know some of you are note-takers along the way, but just just those four thoughts, the voice of wisdom, how does she speak, where does she speak, to whom does she speak, and what does she say? So let's read our text here today, Proverbs chapter 1, starting in verse 20. Wisdom calls aloud outside. She raises her voice in the open squares. She cries out in the chief concourses, at the openings of the gates of the city. She speaks her words. How long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity? For scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. Turn at my rebuke. (coughs) <clears throat> Excuse me. Surely I will pour out my spirit on you. I will make my words known to you. Because I have called and you refused, I have stretched out my hand and no one regarded, because you disdained all my counsel and would have none of my rebuke, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your terror comes, when your terror comes like a storm, and your destruction comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you. Then they will call on me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but they will not find me, because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would have none of my counsel, and despised my every rebuke. Therefore they shall eat the fruit of their own way, and be filled to the full with their own fancies. For the turning away of the simple will slay them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But whoever listens to me will dwell safely, and I will be secure, and and, and will be secure, without fear of evil." First question, how does Lady Wisdom speak? He says in those first verses, verse 20 and 21, say she's crying out. She's calling loudly. She raises her voice. And the reason why that's significant is because it tells us that God wants us to know and have wisdom. God is not hiding his wisdom. He is not whispering in a dark corner with his hand over his mouth. He's not down in the basement in some secret meeting. Wisdom, he said, is crying out. And the word picture here is this loud, pleading voice trying to get our attention above the noise of the world. How does she speak? Not quietly. She's crying out, Listen to me! But then it kind of leads us to the next point of, where does she speak? How does she speak? She cries out loudly, "Where does she speak?" Notice she says, she's outside, in the open squares, in the chief concourses, at the openings of the gates of the city. Lady wisdom is not out in the wilderness, living in a secret valley that nobody knows about. She's outside, in the open square, in the chief concourses, and that phrase means the main streets. In fact, one text has it on the top of the wall. She's at the gates of the city, and the, 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 the picture there is is a Middle Eastern city uh, in the old days. I know you guys have watched enough movies, you can picture that in your mind. The Middle Eastern city, the marketplace, the gates where all the business transactions are made. Uh, it's, it, it's noisy, it's crowded, there are hundreds of people on every street, constant traffic in and out of the gate, camels and donkeys loaded with goods coming in and out, people buying and selling, yelling to one another, bumping into one another. And Lady Wisdom is walking around that marketplace, walking around outside in the main streets, on the city gates or in the city gates, walking on the walls, c- c- calling out, pleading with people of a loud, with a loud voice. In fact, I thought as I was kind of visualizing this, Lady Wisdom is a street preacher. Pleading with people to listen to her and turn away from foolishness. She's calling out, don't be a fool. Listen to God. I'm not trying to be funny this is not a joke judgment is coming do you want security do you want peace do you want blessing turn away from foolishness i'll make my ways known to you just listen to what i'm telling you that's the word picture going on here the voice of wisdom is calling out as she is where the people are she's coming to us not making us go to her She's reaching out, going public with her pleas, confronting people with the truth. She's not hiding. It's an interesting contrast, if you were with us last week, to the the peer pressure crowd. Remember, the peer pressure crowd, they're hiding their plans, hiding their intentions, sneaking around in secret places. We saw the phrase a couple times in the previous verses, that they're lurking secretly. Well, Lady Wisdom is the exact opposite she's out there like a street preacher with a megaphone it's an interesting evangelistic picture that that wisdom is there for the asking it's there for the seeking look at verse 23 it's a it's a great verse it said turn at my rebuke It means to repent turn around and go the other way and he says surely i will pour out my spirit on you i will make my words known to you in other words he's saying just repent and listen to the lord He's not making it complicated. I think we've talked about this maybe a long time ago, but I want to share it with you again. You know, there is there is a difference between hard and complicated. There's a difference between easy and simple. Okay. Uh, that, but when, and, and I explain it this way: that hard, or coming to Christ or listening to wisdom, is not hard because it's complicated. It's hard because it goes against our ego. It goes against our selfishness. It goes against our stubbornness. It goes against our self-will. People say, oh, it's so hard to follow the Lord. Well, it's not really complicated. It is hard, but, it, but it's hard because it, 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 it grates against our selfish will. It grates against our self-righteousness. It grates against our ego. It, it, it requires submission and self-denial. That's why it's hard. But it's not complicated. You don't have to climb four mountains and swim three rivers and crawl on broken glass for a quarter of a mile. Just, just repent and obey what God says. And he says, I will pour out my spirit on you, and I will make my words known to you. That's a beautiful thought, as wisdom is calling out. All I want you to do, wisdom says, is just repent. Turn away from foolishness. Get on a different path. Go a different direction. And and if you will repent, if you will turn toward me, if you will turn at my rebuke, then he said, I'll pour out my spirit on you i'll make my words known to you i'll reveal to you what you need to know i will teach you what you need to know all i want you to do is repent and go a different direction so again it's hard not because it's complicated it's hard because it grates against our old selfish will and our stubbornness and our self-righteousness and our ego but 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 it's not a complicated plan just repent and obey the lord But then our third question, to whom does wisdom speak? We see how she speaks and and, and where she speaks, but, but to whom is she speaking? And in verse 22, he lists three people. How long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity? For scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. you got three people. you got the simple, the scorner, and the fool. Remember from our previous studies that simple does not mean low IQ simple means naive spiritually naive gullible easily deceived easily led astray weak spiritual discernment you see the world the flesh and the devil reach out to you to to draw a person away and 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 for the simple person there are no warning lights going off in their mind like whoa 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 stop stop wait 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 wait." never happens See, the person doesn't know, the simple person doesn't know enough of God's word to be prepared to face temptation. So they're easily led astray. That, that's the simple person. The scorner, the second person, he, he thinks he knows everything. He doesn't need God. He doesn't need wisdom. He has it all figured out. He feels good about himself. Lady wisdom has nothing to say that he doesn't already understand. All this repent stuff is just a big joke. That's for you weak people who need a crutch. I'm just fine and I feel really good about myself. That's, a, that, that's the scorner. So he they, said they, they delight in their scorning. And then the fool is pictured throughout the book of Proverbs as the person who is hard-headed and stubborn and rebellious. The fool refuses to listen. He'll have nothing to do with the things of God. The Word of God is disgusting to him. People who believe the Bible are idiots, you can take this faith stuff and shove it leave me out of it. I want nothing to do with it. That's the fool. You know, interestingly, Psalm 14 and Psalm 53, both of those psalms, they both begin with the phrase, in the first verse of each one of those, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. However, when we look closely at the verses, we see that the words there is are in italics, meaning they were supplied by the translators to help the verse read more smoothly. But in this case, I think the meaning is clear if we leave them out. The fool has said in his heart, no God. That's the fool. No God for me. He said the fool has said in his heart, no God. I have nothing to do with god all you bible believers are a bunch of idiots you can just take this faith stuff and shove it because i have said in my heart no god for me the fool has said in his heart no god that's the fool so you got the simple the scorner and the fool and, and you will see those people repeated all the way through the book of proverbs La- lady wisdom is calling out as Solomon pictures her, calling out to all three kinds of people. But as you read through Proverbs, you see that she's primarily aiming her call at the simple. Because she doesn't really expect the scorner and the fool to pay any attention anyway. You see, there's, there's hope for people whose discernment is weak. Because they can be instructed and guided and helped. That's why he says, she says in verse 22, How long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity? In other words, you, you, you don't have to stay where you are. If it's just things you don't know, it's just things you don't understand, it's just things you don't discern, there's hope for that. You can read the Scriptures, you can learn the Word of God, you can, you can pray, you, you, you can devote your heart to the things of the Lord, and the simple person can become wise. But the scorner and the fool... Uh, the fool rejects God and the scorner thinks he's already got it all figured out anyway. So there isn't much hope for them. So almost all of these pleas for wisdom and all these pleas to follow the Lord and all those things, uh, Lady Wisdom aims almost all of that. She calls out to everyone, but she aims most of her instruction at the person she calls simple, who just hasn't learned enough to know what to do. So so what is she saying? <clears throat> Well it's interesting the rest of the chapter from verse 23 to 33 lady wisdom gives one verse of invitation in verse 23 she gives one verse of hope in verse 33 and then nine verses of warning in between them you got one verse of hope at the beginning i mean sorry one verse of invitation at the beginning one verse of hope at the ending and nine verses of warning in the middle So we see that that calling out a warning is the bulk of Lady Wisdom's message. The invitation and the hope are not complex, they're not complicated, just listen to me. But the warning is stern and serious and even frightening. And I want you to look at verse 24 again. Because I have called and you refused, I have stretched out my hand and no one regarded. Because you disdained all my counsel and would have none of my rebuke, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your terror comes. When your terror comes like a storm and your destruction comes like a whirlwind. When distress and anguish come upon you, then they will call on me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but they will not find me. See, the point is wisdom. This is, Remember, this is wisdom saying these things. So wisdom is saying, you know, you, you hated knowledge. You did not choose the fear of the Lord. You wouldn't listen to me. And then trouble comes and... All of a sudden, everybody wants God. Oh, Lord, help me know what to do. The lady would say, hey, I've been trying to tell you for years what to do. But you you would not listen to me. Now, you're, you're, you're deep in it up to your eyeballs, and you're trying to figure out what to do and how to get out of it. And she says, I'm not there. I've been trying to tell you for years and years and years and years and years. He says, they'll call on me and I won't answer. They'll seek me diligently. They won't find me. They won't find wisdom. Because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would have none of my counsel and despise my every rebuke. Therefore, they will eat the fruit of their own way and be filled to the full with their own fancies. Very frightening. You know, there, there are so many people who treat God in such a casual, frivolous way. They ignore and reject and rationalize, and they think they can go their own way and do their own thing. And then when they get around to it, maybe they'll seek God on their own terms in their own time. And Lady Wisdom says, well, you better rethink that. Because there is a deadline. There is a point of no return. There is a point at which God gives a person over to the consequences of their own sin. That is a very hard truth for many in our modern world to realize and accept, yet it is a very clear Bible truth that there is a point at which God, who's been pleading with people and pleading with people and calling out to people, there, there is a point at which God gives a person over to the consequences of their own sin. Let me show you two verses quickly. Uh, we will read a lot of them. John chapter 12, Gospel of John chapter 12. Gospel of John chapter 12. Jesus is in the middle of teaching, of course, and he's speaking to many people here. And I want you to just see one interesting one interesting word section here. John, the Gospel of John chapter 12. And look at verse 37. I'm just going to read three verses here. Verse 37, speaking of Jesus, John 12, 37. But although he had done so many signs before them, they did not believe in him. That the word of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which he spoke, Lord, who has believed our report, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Some of you recognize that as Isaiah 53. Therefore, verse 39, therefore they could not believe. Because Isaiah has said again, He's blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, lest they should see with their eyes, so that they should understand with their hearts and turn, so that I should heal them. These things Isaiah said when he saw his glory and spoke of him. Some of you will recognize Isaiah 40 as being, I'm sorry, verse 40 as being from Isaiah chapter 6. But but look at verse 37. Although he had done so many signs before them, they did not believe in him. Verse 39. Therefore they could not believe. That's a very frightening jump in the words there. That they saw Jesus' works over and over and over and over and over again, yet they did not believe, they did not believe, they did not believe, they did not believe, even though Jesus showed them sign after sign after sign after sign, I reject and reject and reject and reject and reject. So verse 39 says, Therefore they could not believe. They had gotten so hard in their rejection and so well grounded in their rejection of christ that they didn't care anymore romans chapter one while you're turning there i think i've probably i know i've told you this story a time or two before i was witnessing to an elderly gentleman 90 years old in cut bank in the hospital long time ago. It's probably been oh, at least, at least 25 years, maybe maybe close to 30 years. I knew he was sick. I knew he'd had some heart problems. I walked in the hospital door, the hospital room. He looked at me and said, Hi, Larry. I said, Hey, how are you? He held his hand up and he said, Larry, go ahead and sit down and have a seat. But he said, I know what you're going to say. I don't want to hear it. I know what you're going to tell me. I've heard it all before. I don't want to hear it. I said okay he said I'm headed for hell and I don't care I went wow I've been trying to witness to people for over four decades I've never had anybody tell me that before or since I'm headed for hell and I don't care what had happened to him don't even try to witness to me Larry don't try to tell me the gospel I'm headed for hell and I don't care What had happened to him was exactly what Proverbs 1 says, exactly what John chapter 12 says. You reject and reject and reject and reject and reject and reject, and and finally, you don't care anymore. Because the human heart gets so hard. That's why he said, there is a point at which God gives a person over to the consequences of their own sin. And here we see it in Romans chapter 1. I know you've got your place there. It's kind of a long section. We won't read it all, but look at verse 18. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because what? And, and that phrase there, they suppress the truth in unrighteousness. That is, they know that the truth is there, and they are pushing down on it. They're, they're trying to push it down and keep it away from it. They suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts. Their foolish hearts were darkened, professing themselves to be wise. They became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. And then notice the first phrase, verse 24. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness. And he talks about what that means. Then verse 26, for this reason, God gave them up to vile passions, and he talks about what that means. Verse 28, even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind, and then he explains what what all that means. So because they knew who God was, they knew he was there, but they rejected him, and they turned to idolatry, and they began to worship creation instead of the Creator, and, and, and they began to concoct all of these other things. God says, all right, I will give them up to uncleanness. I will give them over to vile passions. I will give them over to a debased mind. Because there is a point at which God gives a person over to the consequences of their own sin. Constant rejection of God eventually leads to God allowing people to reap the consequences of their own unbelief reap the consequences of their own decisions, their own sinful choices. Now, you and I cannot say when a person has crossed that line. The Scripture does not spell that out in detail. It just tells us that, the, that there is a line. You know, I think it's good that the Scripture doesn't tell us exactly where, because sinful, rebellious humans would see how close they could get without going over it. That's the way we operate. If God says, there's the line, oh, there's the line? Let's see if I can get my... Where do I get my toy? What's on the other side? There? Hmm. Can, I, can I lean that way? It's like, it's like the wet paint sign. What, what you want to do? Wet paint. Oh yeah? yeah really? It, it's just this natural human thing. So God says, there's a line. I'm not going to tell you exactly where it is because I don't want you to press it. But you know, it, it, it's good to not toy with God. The sovereign ruler of the universe will not be mocked forever. Lady Wisdom calls out to us, repent, turn back. I'll pour my spirit out on you. I'll make my words known to you. You can dwell with peace and security in your heart. You can live without fear. Just listen to me and obey. If you got, if you got your finger there, look back at Proverbs 1 again if you held your place there. I just want to read the beginning and the ending of that, the, the invitation and the word of hope. Verse 23 is is the invitation. Turn at my rebuke. That means to repent. Surely I will pour out my spirit on you and I will make my words known to you. You know how you understand God's wisdom? You just repent. That is, you turn from what you're doing and you turn toward God. He says, I will make my words known to you. i'll I'll, I'll tell you what you need to know i'll open the doors of wisdom to you but you got to turn at my rebuke turn away at my rebuke and then i'll pour my spirit on you and i'll make my words known to you and in verse 33 the word of hope at the very end whoever listens to me will dwell safely and will be secure without fear of evil wow You can dwell with peace and security in your heart. You can live without fear. Just listen to me and obey, God says. And you know, in in the richness of God's revelation to us, He opens all His wisdom to us through our relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we wind up our thoughts today, I want you to turn in closing to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. as you turn there i would like to read to you a selection of new testament scripture then we will review this great passage in 1 corinthians chapter 1 so if you look, turn to 1 corinthians 1 and while you're turning there holding your place there i want to read to you just a few other scriptures romans 11 verse verse 33 and verse 36 it says this oh the depth of the riches both of the wisdom and knowledge of god Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. Verse 36, a couple of verses later. For of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. The Apostle wrote, apostle Paul wrote in Ephesians 3 eight. he says, To me this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Colossians chapter 1, Paul writes again, verse 26 and 28, he says, The mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. To to them, God has willed to make known the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we preach, Christ we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect or complete in Christ. And in the verse I mentioned to you, which we're going to be talking about a lot over, over time, I hope you memorize it, Colossians chapter 2 and verse 3, that says, In Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. It's Colossians 2 3. In Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You see, so in the beautiful and wonderful and gracious revelation of God, He opens all of His wisdom to us through our relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I know you've got your place here in 1 Corinthians 1. Familiar passage to some of you. We've read it before, and I assure you, over the years, we will read it again. We're going to begin to read in verse 18. For the message of the cross is foolishness, to those who are perishing but to us who are being saved it is the power of god for it is written i will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent where is the wise where is the scribe where is the disputer of this age being the philosopher who likes to argue has not god made foolish the wisdom of this world for since in the wisdom of god the world through wisdom did not know god that is earthly wisdom It pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached, the foolishness of preaching to save those who believe. For Jews request a sign and Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness. But to those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. should glory in His presence. But of Him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Sanctification meaning holiness. Redemption meaning He bought us. That as it is written, He who glories, let him glory in the Lord. You and I will never have godly wisdom without a faith relationship To Jesus Christ. We will never be connected to God's network without a faith relationship to Jesus Christ. We will never know the will of God for our lives without a relationship to Jesus Christ. In Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God, the scripture says. He became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and holiness, redemption. So by the grace of God, let's go where the people are and let's cry out, Turn back! Listen to the voice of wisdom, because the voice of wisdom is the voice of Jesus Christ calling out, as he did in Matthew 11, to say, Come unto me, all who are weary and heavily burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. It's an interesting parallel to what Lady Wisdom said in Proverbs 1. You want security? You want peace? You want an absence of fear? Lady Wisdom says, come, listen to me. Listen to my words. Jesus says, come to me if you are weary and heavily burdened. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke on you. Learn from me. I'm gentle and lowly in heart. You'll find rest for your soul. Are you listening to the voice of wisdom? It is the voice of Jesus Christ. Hear Him. Hear Him. Let's pray. Lord, we're always in desperate need of the voice of wisdom. And yet we know, Lord, we'll never have it without a relationship with Jesus Christ. We'll never have it until we bow our hearts before you and submit to your will and your way and admit that we've sinned and admit that we are sinners and admit that we need you and come to Christ for forgiveness. In Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And Lord, as you reach out your hand and call out, come unto me, all who are weary and heavily burdened, and I will give you rest for your soul. Lord, I pray for our people that we know and love and are friends with who need Christ. Pray that they will come to him, perhaps very soon. And Lord, for we who are already connected to your network, Lord, help us to be plugged into it through the Word of God and through listening to the Spirit of God as He speaks to us in the Scriptures. Lord, we know that You are there and You are reaching out to us and You are calling out to us. May we not reject. Help us to turn and hear You and obey Your voice. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.